Church, sometimes we have to have hard conversations, and we have to talk about things that um, polite people don't talk about. They just let stew and, and simmer. But we're called, we're called to address some of the harder topics in our world, and we're going to do that today. We're going we're to be talking about how it is that we speak about God and how we speak about each other. So let's pray and we'll study the word. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. It is one that many of us far too often ignore, and so we pray that today we would do something good with it. In your name, amen. There is a scene in biblical history that almost everyone can picture. There are three crosses. In the center of those crosses is Jesus, and next to him is a criminal. And the criminal says to Jesus, remember me, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Have you ever thought about what that criminal wanted Jesus to remember? Was it that he was a criminal? Was it that he paid his debt in full? Was it that in the moment of truth he claimed Jesus? What do you think God remembers about each one of us? And what do you remember about what people say about you? I remember that Miss Jones, my fifth grade math teacher, said that I wasn't smart enough to be in the high achievers class and that math would never be my thing. I was 10 years old, she was an adult, I believed her and I never tried math again. But what if someone remembered everything that you had ever said about them? Would you want your mother to remember everything that you said about her when you were a teenager? See, we know, we know this. We know that words can hurt and that sometimes they sting and that those assaults, they can be genuinely mistakes. But sometimes, sometimes we use our words for war. We're looking for battle. And so today I want us to talk about holy conversations. And I'd like us to think about those conversations in two ways. What we say about each other and what we say about God. Because Malachi reveals to us that God is, in fact, listening and remembering the things that we speak about. Then those who revered the Lord spoke with each other, talking about us, talking about people who know the Lord, who claim to love the Lord, who participate in the worshiping community. The Lord took note and listened and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who revered the Lord and thought on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, my special possession on that day when I act, and I will spare them as parents spare their children who serve them. Then once more you shall see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. By the time that we reach the prophet Malachi in the Old Testament, you need to know that where we are in history, we are at the bottom of the ninth inning. We are at the end of the third period. This is our last chance here in the end zone because Malachi is the last of the prophets to speak to the people of God before they enter into a 400-year period of silence, 
of when God has decided, you know what? They're not listening. And we need to take a break. So, so Malachi is the last chance. Prophet after prophet has spoken to the people, warned the people, threatened the people, begged and pleaded with the people to repent and to turn back to God. Malachi is this last try to get the word across. And so here in chapter 3, he reports that God has opened a book of remembrance to write down those who revered the Lord. Now, what I want you to notice here is that he didn't write down those who spoke poorly of him or who blasphemed him. He just remembered those who spoke well of him. There is a difference between remembering those who speak well of you and writing down every infraction of those who did not. God does not keep a list of our failings, which is good because for most of us, that would be many. But don't you like to remember? Don't you want to remember when someone has said something nice about you? In my office, there is a drawer that holds every kind note or word of encouragement that I have received since I became a pastor. I have kept every single one, not just from this congregation, but from every congregation I've ever served. Now, I don't want you to think that every note that I have ever received has been a positive, kind, (laughs) or encouraging one. I have gotten some real doozies over the years with words that I know were carefully chosen to pierce the heart and break the spirit. Believe me, I read every word on them. And then one day, I throw them in the trash can. I didn't ignore them. In fact, some of them I even responded to at the time. But over the years, what I want to remember are those who said kind things, encouraging things, hopeful things. God wants to remember those who speak well of him because we all do. In order, though, to speak authentically about someone, especially if you're going to speak something well of them, you need to have some sort of personal relationship with them. Otherwise, it's not real. It's not authentic. You have to know them on some level. If I stand before you and I say, David Craig was the best James Bond ever, that would be a nice thing to say. However, I've never actually seen David Craig in a James Bond movie, nor have I ever seen any James Bond movie. So I did say something nice. We can agree on that. I said a nice thing. No idea what I'm talking about. In order to speak well of God in truth, we have to have a relationship with him. Now, let's just be honest. We've all known each other for a little while here. How many of you have ever been in an absolutely 100% never had the slightest bit of problem, perfect relationship? I knew he was going to raise his hand. (laughs) Despite what Pastor Sun claims to the contrary, I have not. (laughs) And that includes our relationship with God. There are times when we are mad at God, when we doubt God, when we struggle to understand what on earth God is doing. And yet, yet, even in the middle of that, we can still claim God's goodness, his grace, his abiding love. We can wrestle 
We can wrestle with our relationships and still speak well of God and of one another. God then claims us as his people. They shall be mine, says the Lord. They are my special possession on that day when I am going to act. And once more, you shall see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. Now, just as God claims each of us, we claim each other. And we need to think about how we do that as, as a church and also how we do that as people who individually have decided to claim Jesus Christ and to follow him. Because how we will see people will also dictate how we will speak about them. So, for example, brace yourselves. If I say Fox News... There are people in this room who are thinking, precious Lord, take my hand, lead me home. And there are others who are thinking, spawn of Satan. Either way, Fox News is a television network. It's not an individual person. But there are individual people who do and who do not watch this network. And both of them have the right to do that. Where the problem is occurring in, in, in church, in culture, in the world, is when we make a blanket statement about someone based on which television news network they watch. Particularly when that statement starts to devalue their humanity. That, that was created in the image of God. How we speak about each other, it, it matters. And I pr should probably tell you right now, just so that you know that forever, for however you feel about Fox News or about Democrats or about divorce or about homosexuality or the inerrancy of scripture, I promise you there's somebody else sitting here in this room today that absolutely disagrees with you. So what are you going to do about it? Better yet, what are you going to say about them? What are you going to say about that person that's sitting here in this room that absolutely positively disagrees with you, but they still showed up today? They still showed up. They're still here, and they came for the same reason that you did, because they love the Lord, because they want to know about Jesus Christ, because they want to grow in him. What are you going to say about them? Just this week, I found myself in a gathering of people, um, pastor-type people, and, and they got into this discussion, very, very heated discussion about race and about, and about privilege, and, and there were all of these buzzwords just flying across the room and, and lots of statements that generalized people and, and made assumptions about who people are. And, and normally, my general practice on these things is, is to just keep my mouth shut and just, just let it wash over me and, and quietly be praying for them. But for some reason that is only known to the Holy Spirit, I took off like a bat out of hell on this one. And, and in a period of five minutes, I, I unloaded on this group about what it's really like to, to raise biracial children here in Bradenton, Florida, and how Sung and I intentionally, 
intentionally put our kids into schools with extremely race, racially diverse populations and what that's looked like. And I told them the story of how when Sung and I were first married, and I, I was interviewing for a call in the hometown of the KKK here in the state of Florida, Sung and I went into a sandwich shop together, and everyone in that shop stopped what they were doing. And they turned and they looked at us, and for the first time in my life, I was genuinely, genuinely afraid. And I had to hear my husband, who was a person of color, say, this is my life. This has happened my whole life. And apparently, since I was on a roll with this group that I unloaded on, I concluded with this statement, not one of my best, but it was this statement. I said to them, I said, so stop it. Stop it with your, your books and your conferences and, and your judging everybody. Just love people. Just love them. Well, that pretty much ended the meeting right there. <laughs> and everyone quickly got up to excuse themselves. And we're walking out, and one of these people who, who has only known me from the periphery, never had a conversation with me, doubt knows anyone at our church, and who had made some pretty big assumptions about both who I am and who we are as a church family, he said to me, he said, you know, Hope, my perception of you changed today. Dramatic pause. <laughs> For the better. Church, it was one of the most backhanded compliments I have ever received, and it said far more about him than it said about me or about our congregation. But we all do this. On some level, we all do this because we like to categorize and divide and, and label people. And, and once we do that, once we have everybody into their neat little category, we, we start to judge them. And then we assume and we project on them, and then we speak. So, so if I say Tim Tebow, for some of you, that's just a sports reference. For others of you, it's the closest thing to Jesus here on earth, and for others, it makes you cringe. Same thing if I had said Barack Obama or Franklin Graham or Nancy Pelosi. And here's what I need you to know. There's nothing wrong with having your own opinion, and there's nothing wrong with having a different opinion than somebody else. But where we've gotten off track is how we speak about each other. And that's when we need to think about who is listening? Who's listening when we say these things? Under, under most everyday, ordinary circumstances, your pastor is not prone to speak ill of people, unless I am driving. <laughs> at, at which point, at which point, the words idiot and moron have been known to come out of my mouth more times than I can count. And on these countless occasions, I, I typically will have at least two audience members with an earshot as I drive down the road. One of them is God, the other is one of my children. Have you ever thought about what God thinks when you call somebody a moron? Or, or perhaps another name that, that I can't say here in the sanctuary? If you're a parent, Think back to that first time that your child brought home that very first preschool art project. You had no idea what it was. Let's be honest about this. And you knew right away that your child was not going to be a Picasso. It was a mess. 
It was a mess. But what did you say? You said, oh, sweetheart, it is beautiful. I love it. Why did you say that? Why did you say that? Not because you loved it, but because you loved the one who created it. You loved the one who created it. How do you think God feels when we speak ill of his children who are his one-of-a-kind creations? When we start cutting off whole groups of people, ignoring our neighbors because they disagree with us on something, ending life long-term friendships over a passing political issue. We're devaluing God's creation. What we're saying is, you know what? That is not good. That's not good. God made a mistake on them. Even going as far as to suggest that God can't possibly, can't possibly love them. Is that really who we think God is? Some, some higher being who created a bunch of totally unacceptable other human beings? Does God have that kind of time to waste? And what about the other listener in the car? Any one of my kids. And you know, our kids, the next generation of believers, they, they do listen to what we say and they watch what we do. And so when we speak ill of each other, we teach our children that that God doesn't value all of us, that God loves some more than others, that we don't think very much of God's creation in our fellow man. And then guess what happens? Our kids agree with us. And before you know it, someone cuts me off in traffic and from the back seat, a little voice that is not my own yells out, moron. What would you like the Lord to remember about what you had to say about him and his creation, his people? Do the words that, that come out of your mouth when you speak about those with whom you disagree, do they fall in line with the things that you want to be remembered for? If the answer is probably not, then don't say them. We're never going to agree on everything. That's just not going to happen. We weren't even created to agree with everything, but there should be one thing. There should be one thing that all of us, every one of us can agree on. Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior who came because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Start by remembering that the next time that you are tempted to say something that you don't want to be remembered for. Let's pray together. Lord God, we confess, every one of us confesses that there have been times when, when we have spoken ill, either of you or of part of your creation. Help us. Help us as we are living in a world that is priding itself on division and category and pitting man against man, human against human. Lord, we, we pray. We pray that there will be those moments when we just stand up and say, stop it. Just love each other. Because when we do that, we reflect the love that you have for each one of us. In your name we pray. Amen.